Part eight of Blast number one edited by Wyndham Lewis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vortices and Notes by Wyndham Lewis. Life is the important thing. In the revolt against formula, revolutionaries in art sell themselves to nature. Without nature's aid, the coup could not be accomplished. They, of course, become quite satisfied slaves of nature, as their fathers were of formula. It never occurs to them that nature is just as sterile a tyrant. This is what happened with the Impressionists. An idea which haunts the head of many people is that nature is synonymous with freshness, richness, constant renewal, life. Nature and natural art synonymous with life. This idea trotted out in various forms, reminds one of the sententious pronouncement one so often hears. Life is the important thing. It is always said with an air of trenchant and final wisdom, the implication being, you artists are so indirect and intellectual. Worry your heads about this and about that, while life is there all the time, etc., etc. If you ask these people what they mean by life, for there are as many lives as there are people in the world, it becomes evident that they have no profounder view of life in their mind than can be included in the good dinner, good sleep, roll in the grass category. After all, life is the important thing, that is, to live as nearly like a chicken or a King Charles as is compatible with having read sex and character and l'île des penguins in a translation. This is the typical cowardly attitude of those who have failed with their minds, and are discouraged and unstrung before the problems of their spirit, who fall back on their stomachs and the meaner working of their senses. Nature will give you, then, grass enough for cow or a sheep, any fleshly conquest you can compass. One thing she is unable to give, that is peculiar to men. Such stranger stuff men must get out of themselves. To consider for a moment this widespread notion that nature, as the majority mean it, is synonymous really with life and inexhaustible freshness of material. Nature is no more inexhaustible, fresh, welling up with invention, etc., than life is to the average man of forty with his groove, his disillusion, and his little round of habitual distractions. It is true, life is there all the time, but he cannot get at it except through himself. For him too, even, apart from his daily fodder, he has to draw out of himself any of that richness and fineness that is something more and different to the provender and contentment of the cow. For the suicide with the pistol in his mouth, life is there as well, with its variety and possibilities. But a dissertation to that effect would not influence him. On the contrary, for those men who look to nature for support, she does not care. Life is a hospital for the weak and incompetent. Life is a retreat of the defeated. It is very salubrious. The cooking is good. Amusements are provided. In the same way, nature is a blessed retreat. In art, for those artists whose imagination is mean and feeble, whose vocation and instinct are unrobust, when they find themselves in front of infinite nature with their little paint-box, they squint their eyes at her professionally, and coo with lazy contentment and excitement, to just so much effort as is hygienic and desirable. She does their thinking and seeing for them, 
of course when they commence painting technical difficulties come along they sweat a bit and anxiety settles down on them but then they regard themselves as martyrs and heroes they are lusty workmen grappling with the difficulties of their trade no wonder painting has been discredited life is the important thing indeed if much painting of life that we see is the alternative who would not rather walk ten miles across country yes ten miles my friend and use his eyes nose and muscles than possess ten thousand impressionist oil paintings of that countryside there is only one thing better than life than using your eyes nose ears and muscles and that is something very abstruse and splendid in no way directly dependent on life it is no equivalent for life but another life as necessary to existence as the former this necessity is what the indolent and vulgar journalist mind chiefly denies it all the accusations of mere intelligence or cold intellectuality centre round misconception of this fact before leaving this beautiful useful phrase of unctuous life etc i would prevent a confusion i have been speaking so far of the impressionist sensibility and one of the arguments used by that sensibility to disparage the products of a new effort in art daumier whose work was saturated with reference to life has been for instance used to support imitation of nature on grounds of a common realism this man would have been no more capable of squatting down and imitating the forms of life day after day than he would have been able to copy one of his crowds it was life that moved much too quickly for anything but the imagination that he lived for he combined in his art great plastic gifts with great literary gifts and was no doubt an impure painter according to actual standards but it was great literature always along with great art and as far as life is concerned the impressionists produced nothing that was in any sense a progress from this great realist though much that was a decadence many reproductions of degas paintings it would be impossible quite literally to distinguish from photographs and his pastels only less so because of the accident of the medium the relative purity of their palette and consequent habituating of the public to brighter colours was their only useful innovation their analytic study of light led into the pointillist cul-de-sac when it was found that although light can be decomposed oil paint is unfortunately not light futurism magic and life one the futurist theoretician should be a professor of hoffman romance and attempt the manufacture of a perfect being art merges in life again everywhere leonardo was the first futurist and incidentally an airman among quattrocento angels his mona lisa eloped from the louvre like any woman she is back again now smiling with complacent reticence as before her escapade no one can say when she will be off once more she possesses so much vitality her olive pigment is electric so much more so than the carnivorous belgian bumpkins by rubens in a neighbouring room who besides are so big they could not slip about in the same subtle fashion 
Rubens imitated life, borrowed the colour of its crude blood, traced the sprawling and surging of its animal hulks. Leonardo made new beings, delicate and severe, with as ambitious an intention as any ingenious medieval empiric. He multiplied in himself, too, life's possibilities. He was not content to be as an individual artist alone, any more than he was content with art. Life won him with gifts and talents. 2. In Northern Europe, Germany, Scandinavia and Russia, for the last half-century, the intellectual world has developed savagely in one direction, that of life. His war-talk, sententious elevation and much besides, Marinetti picked up from Nietzsche. Strindberg, with his hysterical and puissant autobiographies, lifelong tragic coquetry with magic, extensive probing of female flesh and spirit, is the great Scandinavian figure, best representing this tendency. Bergson, the philosopher of Impressionism, stands for this new prescience in France. Everywhere, life is said instead of art. 3. By life is not meant good dinner, sleep and copulation. There is rather only room for one life in existence, and art has to behave itself and struggle. Also, art has a selfish trick of cutting the connections. The wild body and primitive brain have found a new outside art of their own. The artist pleasure man is too naturalistic for this age of religion. The theatre is immoral, because a place where people go to enjoy other people's sufferings and tears. To d'Alembert. The soft stormy flood of Rousseauism, Dickens' sentimental ghoul-like gloating over the death of little Nell, the beastly and ridiculous spirit of Keats' lines. If your mistress some rich anger show, imprison her soft hand and let her rave, while you feast long, etc., disgusted about 1,870 people who had not got a corner in dog's nerves or heart idling about the stomach, instead of attending to its business of pump, and whose heads were, with an honest Birmingham screw, straightly riveted into their bodies. The good artists as well repudiated the self-indulgent, special-privileged, priggish and cowardly role of artist, and joined themselves to the Birmingham screws. England emerged from lupinars and satanics about 1900, the bourgeoisie having thoughtfully put Wilde in prison, and Swinburne being retired definitely to Putney. This brings you to the famous age where we are at present gathered, in which humanity's problem is, live with the minimum of pleasure possible for bare existence. 4. Killing somebody must be the greatest pleasure in existence, either like killing yourself without being interfered with by the instinct of self-preservation, or exterminating the instinct of self-preservation itself. But, if you begin depositing your little titivations of pleasure in humanity's savings bank, you want something for your trouble. We all have a penetrative right over each other, to the tune of titivations lost, if not of heart's blood. 5. Not many people have made up their minds yet as to the ultimate benefit or the reverse of this state of affairs. Some people enjoy best by proxy, 
some by masturbation others prefer to do things themselves or in the direct regular partnership of existence you are fiercely secretive and shy or dislike interference most fine artists cannot keep themselves out of wood and iron or printed sheets they leave too much of themselves in their furniture for their universality a course of egoistic hardening if anything is required budder found that his disciples good average disciples required a severe discipline of expansion he made them practice every day torpedoing east and west to inhabit other men and become wise and gentle the artist favours solitude conditions where silence and purity are possible as most men favour gregariousness where they shine and exist most but the artist is compensated at present by a crown and will eventually arrange things for the best six it is all a matter of the most delicate adjustment between the veracity of art and digestive quality of life the finest art is not pure abstraction nor is it unorganised life dreams come in the same category as the easy abstractions and sentimentalities of art known as belgian great artists with their pictures and books provide nursing homes for the future where hypnotic treatment is the principal stunt to dream is the same thing as to lie anybody but an invalid or a canaille feels the discomfort and repugnance of something not clean in it there is much fug in the past due no doubt to the fact that most of the ordinary ancients neglected their persons realism is the cleanliness of the mind actuality or fashionableness is the desire to be spick and span and be a man remade and burnished half an hour ago surprise is the brilliant and prodigious firefly that lives only twenty minutes the excitement of seeing him burn through his existence like a wax vesta makes you marvel at the slow living world the most perishable colours in painting such as veronese green prussian blue alizarin crimson are the most brilliant this is as it should be we should hate other ages and don't want to fetch forty thousand pound like a horse seven the actual approximation of art to nature which one sees great signs of to-day would negative effort equally the artist like narcissus gets his nose nearer and nearer the surface of life he will get it nipped off if he is not careful by some pecksniff shark sunning its lean belly near the surface or other lurker beneath his image who has been feeding on its radiance reality is in the artist the image only in life and he should only approach so near as is necessary for a good view the question of focus depends on the power of his eyes or their quality eight the futurist statue will move then it will live a little but any idiot can do better than that with his good wife round the corner nature's definitely ahead of us in contrivances of that sort we must remain children less scientific than a boy scout but less naive than flaubert jeune nature is grown up we could not make an elephant nine with picasso's revolution in the plastic arts the figure of the artist becomes still more blurred and uncertain 
engineer or artist might conceivably become transposable terms or one at least imply the other what is the definite character of the artist obvious pleasure as an element shrinking daily or rather approximating with pleasure as it exists in every other form of invention picasso has proved himself lately too amateurish a carpenter boot-making and joining also occur to one or the artist will cease to be a workman and take his place with the composer and architect the artist till now has been his own interpreter improvisation and accidents of a definite medium playing a very important part Today there are a host of first-rate interpreters the few men with the invention and brains should have these at their disposal but unfortunately they all want to be composers and their skill and temperament allow them to do very good imitations but perhaps things are better as they are for if you think of those stormy jewish faces met in the corridors of the tube beethoven-esque and femininely ferocious on the concert bills or our great shakespearean actors you feel that beethoven and shakespeare are for the student and not for the bechstein hall or the modern theatre at any period an artist should have been able to remain in his studio imagining form and provided he could transmit the substance and logic of his inventions to another man could have without putting brush to canvas been the best artist of his day Note, on some German woodcuts at the 21 Gallery. At this miniature sculpture, the woodcut, Germans have always excelled. It is like a one-string fiddle of the African. This art is African, in that it is sturdy, cutting through every time to the monotonous wall of space, and intense yet hale, permeated by eternity an atmosphere in which only the black core of life rises and is silhouetted the black nervous fluid of existence flows and forms into hard stagnant masses in this white luminous body or oh, it is like a vivid sea pierced by rocks onto the surface of which bone shapes rise and bask blackly it deals with man and objects subject to him on royal white cut out in black sadness white and black are two elements their possible proportions and relations to each other are fixed all the subtleties of the universe are driven into these two pens one of which is black the other white with their multitude it is african black it is not black invaded by colour as in beardsley who was never simple enough for this blackness but unvarying vivid harsh black of africa the quality of the woodcut is rough and brutal surgery of the senses cutting and not scratching extraordinarily limited and exasperating it is one of the greatest tests of fineness where the germans are best disciplined blunt thick and brutal with a black simple skeleton of organic emotion they best qualify for this form of art all the things gathered here do not come within these definitions Meltzer is sculpture too, but by suggestion, not in fact. The principle of his work is an infatuation for bronzes. Peckstein has for nearest parallel the drawings and lithographs of Henri Matisse. Mark, Boltz, Kandinsky, Helbing and Morgner 
would make a very solid show in one direction. Boltz's Maskenfest is a kermesse of black strips and atoms of life. His other design, like a playing card, is a nerve or woman and attendant fascinated atoms, crushed or starred. Morgna drifts into soft arctic snow patches. Mark merges once more in leaves and sunspotting the protective markings of animals, or in this process makes a forest into tigers. Some woodcuts by Mr. H. Wadsworth, though not part of the German show, are to be seen in the gallery. One of a port is particularly fine, with its white excitement and compression of clean metallic shapes in the well of the harbour, as though in a broken cannon mouth. Policeman and Artist 1. In France, no artist is as good as the policeman. Rousseau, the douanier, the best policeman, is better than Derain, the best French artist. Not until art reaches the fresher strata of the people does it find a vigorous enough bed to flourish. There is too much cultivation, and only the man of the people escapes the softening and intellectualizing. There is one exception, the Crétin, or Sawney. Cézanne was an imbecile, as Rousseau was a policeman. Nature's defence for Cézanne against the deadly intelligence of his country was to make him a sort of idiot. 2. In England the policeman is dull. The people, witness dearth of folk-song, ornaments, dance, art of any sort, till you get to the border or the marches of Wales, is incapable of art. The artist in England has the advantages and gifts possessed by the policeman in France. His position is very similar. 3. William Blake was our arch-policeman. Had Blake, instead of passing his time with Renaissance bogies and athletes, painted his wife and himself naked in their conservatory, as in a more realistic tradition he quite conceivably might have done, the results would have been very similar to Rousseau's portraits. The English artist, unlike the Frenchman of the people, has no artistic tradition in his blood. His freshness and genius is apt to be obscured, therefore, as in the case of Blake, the English artist, by a borrowed Italian one. It is almost as dangerous in England to be a sawney as it is in France to be intelligent. Cézanne in England would have to be a very intelligent fellow. You can't be too intelligent here. It is the only place in Europe where that is the case. Blake in France would have been a policeman. It is finer to be an artist than to be a policeman. Feng Shui and Contemporary Form 1. That a mountain, river or person may not suit the air of the mountain, the character of the person, and so influence lives, most men see. But that a hill or a man can be definitely disastrous, and by mere existence be as unlucky as hemlock is poisonous, shame or stupidity prevents most from admitting. A certain position of the eyes, their fires crossing, black as a sort of red, as sinister, white the mourning colour of china, white flowers in the west signifying death white the radium among colours and the colour that comes from farthest off thirteen a terrible number 
such are more important discoveries than gravitation the law of gravitation took its place in our common science following the fall of an apple on somebody's head which induced reflection thirteen struck people down again and again like a ghost till they ceased hunting for something human but invisible and found a number betraying its tragic nature and destiny some numbers are like great suns round which the whole of humanity must turn but people have a special personal numerical which for them in particular is an object of service and respect two telegraph poles were the gloomiest of all western innovations for china their heights disturbed definitely the delicate equilibrium of lives they were consequently resisted with bitterness any textbook on china becomes really eloquent in its scorn when it arrives at the ascendancy of the geomancers geomancy is the art by which the favourable influence of the shape of trees weight of neighbouring water and its colour height of surrounding houses is determined no chinese street is built to form a line of uniform height h a giles the houses are of unequal heights to fit the destinies of the inhabitants i do not suppose that good geomancers are more frequent than good artists but their functions and intellectual equipment should be very alike three sensitiveness to volume to the life and passion of lines meaning of water hurried conversation of the sky or silence impossible propinquity of endless clay nothing will write a mountain that is a genius good or evil or a bore makes the artist and the volume quality or luminosity of a star at birth of astrologers is also a clairvoyance within the painter's gift in a painting certain forms must be so in the same meticulous profound manner that your pen or a book must lie on the table at a certain angle your clothes at night be arranged in a set personal symmetry certain birds be avoided a set of railings tapped with your hand as you pass without missing one personal tricks and ceremonies of this description are casual examples of the same senses activity relativism and picasso's latest work small structures in cardboard wood zinc glass string etc tacked sewn or stuck together is what picasso has last shown as his one picasso has become a miniature naturalistic sculptor of the vast natures mort of modern life picasso has come out of the canvas and has commenced to build up his shadows against reality reality is the waterloo will-o'-the-wisp or siren of artistic genius reality is to the artist what truth is to the philosopher the artist's objective is reality the philosopher's is truth the real thing is always nothing reality is the nearest conscious and safe place to reality once an artist gets caught in that machinery he is soon cut in half literally so two the moment an image steps from the convention of the canvas into life its destiny is different the statue has been for the most part a stone man an athletic and compact statue survives african egyptian art etc where faces are flattened 
limbs carved in the mass of the body for safety as well as sacredness you can believe that a little patch of paint two inches high on a piece of canvas is a mountain it is difficult to do so with a two-inch clay or stone model of one three these little models of picasso's reproduce the surface and texture of objects so directly so that should a portion of human form occur he would hardly be content until he could include in his work a plot of human flesh but it is essentially nature morte the enamel of a kettle wallpaper a canary's cage handle of mandolin or telephone four these wayward little objects have a splendid air starting up in pure creation with their invariable and lofty detachment from any utilitarian end or purpose but they do not seem to possess the necessary physical stamina to survive you feel the glue will come unstuck and that you would only have to blow with your mouth to shatter them they imitate like children the large unconscious serious machines and contrivances of modern life so near them do they come that they appear even a sort of new little parasite bred on machinery finally they lack the one purpose or even necessity of a work of art namely life five in the experiments of modern art we come face to face with the question of the raison d'etre of art more acutely than often before and the answer comes more clearly and unexpectedly most of picasso's latest work on canvas as well is a sort of machinery yet these machines neither propel nor make any known thing they are machines without a purpose if you conceive them as carried out on a grand scale as some elaborate work of engineering the paradox becomes more striking these machines would in that case before the perplexed and enraged questions of men have only one answer and justification if they could suggest or convince that they were machines of life a sort of living plastic geometry then their existence would be justified six to say why any particular man is alive is a difficult business and we cannot obviously ask more of a picture than of a man a picture either is or it is not a work of art could not start from such a purpose as the manufacture of nibs or nails these mysterious machines of modern art are what they are to be alive many of picasso's works answer this requirement but many notably the latest small sculpture he has shown attach themselves too coldly to other machines of daily use and inferior significance or he practically makes little nature mort a kettle plate and a piece of wallpaper for example he no longer so much interprets as definitely makes nature and dead nature at that a kettle is never as fine as a man this is a challenge to the kettles the new egos one a civilized savage in a desert city surrounded by very simple objects and restricted number of beings reduces his great art down to the simple black human bullet his sculpture is monotonous the only compact human form is his tom-tom we have nothing whatever to do with this individual and his bullet our eyes sweep life horizontally 
were they in the top of our head and full of blank light our art would be different and more like that of the savage the african we have referred to cannot allow his personality to venture forth or amplify itself for it would dissolve in vagueness of space it has to be swaddled up in a bullet-like lump but the modern town-dweller of our civilization sees everywhere fraternal moulds for his spirit and interstices of a human world he also sees multitude and infinite variety of all means of life a world and elements he controls impersonality becomes a disease with him socially in a parallel manner his egotism takes a different form society is sufficiently organized for his ego to walk abroad life is really no more secure or his egotism less acute but the frontiers interpenetrate individual demarcations are confused and interests dispersed two according to the most approved contemporary methods in boxing two men burrow into each other and after an infinitude of little intimate pummels one collapses in the old style two distinct heroic figures were confronted and one ninepin tried to knock the other ninepin over we all to-day possibly with a coldness reminiscent of the insect world are in each other's vitals overlap intersect and are siamese to any extent promiscuity is normal such separating things as love hatred friendship are superseded by a more realistic and logical passion the human form still runs like a wave through the texture or body of existence and therefore of art but just as the old form of egotism is no longer fit for such conditions as now prevail so the isolated human figure of most ancient art is an anachronism the actual human body becomes of less importance every day it now literally exists much less love hatred etc imply conventional limitations all clean clear-cut emotions depend on the element of strangeness and surprise and primitive detachment dehumanization is the chief diagnostic of the modern world one feels the imminence of some reality more than any former human beings can have felt it this superseding of specific passions and easily determinable emotions by such uniform more animal instinctively logical passion of life of different temperatures but similar in kind is then the phenomenon to which we would relate the most fundamental tendencies in present art and by which we would gauge its temper orchestra of media painting with the venetians was like piano forte playing as compared to the extended complicated orchestra aspired to by the artist to-day sculpture of the single sententious or sentimental figure on the one hand and painting as a dignified accomplished game on the other is breaking up and caving in the medium of oil paint is modifiable like an instrument few to-day have forsaken it for the more varied instruments or orchestra of media but have contented themselves with violating it the reflection back on the present however of this imminent extension or at least the preparation for this taking in of other media 
has for effect a breaking up of the values of beauty etc in contemporary painting the surfaces of cheap manufactured goods woods steel glass etc already appreciated for themselves and their possibilities realized have finished the days of fine paint even if painting remain intact it will be much more supple and extended containing all the elements of discord and ugliness consequent on the attack against traditional harmony the possibilities of colour exploitation of discords odious combinations etc have been little exploited a painter like matisse has always been harmonious with a scale of colour pleasantly chinese kandinsky at his best is much more original and bitter but there are fields of discord untouched the melodrama of modernity one of all the tags going futurist for general application serves as well as any for the active painters of to-day it is picturesque and easily inclusive it is especially justifiable here in england where no particular care or knowledge of the exact or any other in matters of art signification of this word exist in france for instance no one would be likely to apply the term futurist for picasso or derain for every one there is familiar with marinetti's personality the detail of his propaganda and also the general history of the cubist movement picasso's part derain's part and the futurists on the other hand here in england marquet vouillard benard even i expect would be called futurist fairly often as futurist in england does not mean anything more than a painter either a little or very much occupying himself with questions of a renovation of art and showing a tendency to rebellion against the domination of the past it is not necessary to correct it we may hope before long to find a new word if kandinsky had found a better word than expressionist he might have supplied a useful alternative two futurism as preached by marinetti is largely impressionism up to date to this is added his automobilism and nietzsche stunt with a lot of good sense and vitality at his disposal he hammers away in the blatant mechanism of his manifestos at his idee fixe of modernity from that harsh swarming of animal vitality in almost eastern cities across the alps his is a characteristic voice with execration making his teeth ragged blood weltering and leaping round his eyes he snarls and bawls about the past and future with all his italian practical directness this is of great use when one considers with what sort of person the artist to-day has to deal his certain success in england is similar to that of giovanni grasso any spectacular display of temperament carries away the english crowd with an italian crowd it has not the same effect the popular orator again possesses qualities which attach him on the one hand to a vitality possessed by all artists a cut above the senile prig and on the other hand he has access to the vitality of the people three futurism then in its narrow sense and in the history of modern painting is a picturesque superficial and romantic rebellion of young milanese painters 
against the academism which surrounded them gino severini was the most important severini with his little blocks strips and triangles of colour zones of movement etc made many excellent plastic discoveries i say was because to-day there are practically no futurists or at least automobilists left balla is the best painter of what was once the automobilist group four modernity for severini consisted in the night cafes of paris it is doubtful whether the future of his or anyone else's ism will contain such places we all foresee as i have argued in another place in a century or so men and women being put to bed at seven o'clock by a state nurse in separate beds of course no cocottes for genos of the future with their careful choice of motor omnibuses cars lifes aeroplanes etc the automobilist pictures were too picturesque melodramatic and spectacular besides being undigested and naturalistic to a fault severini only seemed to me to escape by his feeling for pattern and certain clearness and restraint even in the excesses of a gigantic set-piece the melodrama of modernity is the subject of these fanciful but rather conventional italians romance about science is a thing we have all been used to for many years and we resent it being used as a source for a dish claiming to belong strictly to emancipated futures a motor omnibus can be just as romantically seen as carisbrook castle or shakespeare's house at stratford i do not hold a brief opposed to romance but most of the futurist work is in essence as sentimental as boccioni's large earlier picture at the sackville gallery show called the building of a city this was sheer unadulterated belgian romance blue clouds of smoke pawing horses heroic grimy workers sententious skyscrapers factory chimneys etc if divested of this element of illustration h g wells romance and pedantic naturalism marinetti's movement could produce profounder visions with this faith of novelty something fine might be done for it does not matter what incentive the artist has to creation schiller always kept a few rotten pears in his drawer and when he felt the time had come to write another lyric he would go to his drawer and take out a rotten pear he would sniff and sniff when he felt the lyric rising from the depths of him in response he would put the pear back and seize the pen if dynamic considerations intoxicate bala and make him produce significant patterns as they do all is well five but as i have said bala is not a futurist in the automobilist sense he is a rather violent and geometric sort of expressionist his paintings are purely abstract he does not give you bits of automobiles or complete naturalistic fragments of noses and ears or any of the automobilist bag of tricks in short so in the present and latest exhibition of futurists at the dore gallery there are no futurists left except perhaps the faithful lieutenant boccioni although he too becomes less representative and more abstract every day as to the rest they seem to have become quite conventional and dull cubists or picassoists 
with nothing left of their still duller automobilism but letters and bits of newspaper stuck all over the place six cannot marinetti sensible and energetic man that he is be induced to throw over this sentimental rubbish about automobiles and aeroplanes and follow his friend bala into a purer region of art unless he wants to become a rapidly fossilizing monument of puerility cheap reaction and sensationalism he had better do so the exploitation of vulgarity when an ugly or uncomely person appeared on the horizon of their daily promenade angre's careful wife would raise her shawl protectingly and he would be spared a sight that would have offended him to-day the artist's attention would be drawn on the contrary to anything particularly hideous or banal as a thing not to be missed stupidity has always been exquisite and ugliness fine aristophanes loved a fool as much as any man his shapely sweetheart perhaps his weakness for fools dulled his appreciation of the sages no doubt in a perfectly wholesome classic state of existence humour would be almost absent and discords would be scrupulously shunned or exist only as a sacred disease that an occasional man was blighted with we don't want to-day things made entirely of gold but gold mixed with flint or grass diamond with paste etc any more than a monotonous paradise or security would be palatable but the condition of our enjoyment of vulgarity discord cheapness or noise is an unimpaired and keen disgust with it it depends that is on sufficient health not to relinquish the consciousness of what is desirable and beneficial rare and cheap fine and poor these contrasts are the male and female the principle of creation to-day this pessimism is the triumphant note in modern art a man could make just as fine an art in discords and with nothing but ugly trivial and terrible materials as any classic artist did with only beautiful and pleasant means but it would have to be a very tragic and pure creative instinct life to-day is giddily frank and the fool is everywhere serene and blatant human insanity has never flowered so colossally our material of discord is to an unparalleled extent forcible and virulent pleasantness too has an edge or a softness of unusual strength the world may at any moment take a turn and become less vulgar and stupid the great artist must not miss this opportunity but he must not so dangerously identify himself with vulgarity as picasso for instance inclines to identify himself with the appearance of nature there are possibilities for the great artist in the picture postcard the ice is thin and there is as well the perpetual peril of virtuosity the improvement of life the passion of his function to order and transmute is exasperated in the artist of to-day by vacuity and complication as it was in the case of the imitators of romanticism before wild nature one of the most obvious questions that might have been put to any naturalistic painter of twenty years ago or for that matter to rembrandt or a japanese was this is there no difference or if so what difference between a bad piece of architecture 
or a good piece represented in a painting or rather would it be a greater type of art that had for representative content objects finer in themselves this kind of argument of course refers only to the representative painter rembrandt might have replied that there is no fine man or poor man that vulgarity is as good as nobleness that in his paintings all things were equal but in taking rembrandt the point may be confused by sentimentality about a great artist touching old beggarman soul painting etc just as profound sentimentality might arise about newness brand newness as about age ruins mould and dilapidation everyone admits that the interior of an a b c shop is not as fine as the interior of some building conceived by a great artist yet it would probably inspire an artist to-day better than the more perfect building with its trivial ornamentation mirrors cheap marble tables silly spacing etc it nevertheless suggests a thousand great possibilities for the painter where is the advantage then for the painter to-day for rembrandt or for a japanese in having a better standard of taste in architecture finer dresses etc two if it were not that vulgarity and the host of cheap artisans compete in earning with the true artist immeasurably more than in a great period of art the present would be an ideal time for creative genius adverse climatic conditions drastic russian winters for example account for much thought and profundity england which stands for anti-art mediocrity and brainliness among the nations of europe should be the most likely place for great art to spring up england is just as unkind and inimical to art as the arctic zone is to life this is the siberia of the mind if you grant this you will at once see the source and reason of my very genuine optimism our vortex one our vortex is not afraid of the past it has forgotten its existence our vortex regards the future as as sentimental as the past the future is distant like the past and therefore sentimental the mere element past must be retained to sponge up and absorb our melancholy everything absent remote requiring projection in the veiled weakness of the mind is sentimental the present can be intensely sentimental especially if you exclude the mere element past our vortex does not deal in reactive action only nor identify the present with numbing displays of vitality the new vortex plunges to the heart of the present the chemistry of the present is different to that of the past with this different chemistry we produce a new living abstraction the rembrandt vortex swamped the netherlands with a flood of dreaming the turner vortex rushed at europe with a wave of light we wish the past and future with us the past to mop up our melancholy the future to absorb our troublesome optimism with our vortex the present is the only active thing life is the past and the future the present is art two our vortex insists on watertight compartments there is no present there is past and future 
and there is art any moments not weakly relaxed and slipped back or on the other hand dreaming optimistically is art just life or soi-disant reality is a fourth quantity made up of the past the future and art this impure present our vortex despises and ignores for our vortex is uncompromising we must have the past and the future life simple that is to discharge ourselves in and keep us pure for non-life that is art the past and future are the prostitutes nature has provided art is periodic escapes from this brothel artists put as much vitality and delight into this saintliness and escape out as most men do their escapes into similar places from respectable existence the vorticist is at his maximum point of energy when stillest the vorticist is not the slave of commotion but its master the vorticist does not suck up to life he lets life know its place in a vorticist universe three in a vorticist universe we don't get excited at what we have invented if we did it would look as though it had been a fluke it is not a fluke we have no verbotence there is one truth ourselves and everything is permitted but we are not templars we are proud handsome and predatory we hunt machines they are our favourite game we invent them and then hunt them down this is a great vorticist age a great still age of artists four as to the lean belated impressionism at present attempting to eke out a little life in these islands our vortex is fed up with your dispersals reasonable chicken men our vortex is proud of its polished sides our vortex will not hear of anything but its disastrous polished dance our vortex desires the immobile rhythm of its swiftness our vortex rushes out like an angry dog at your impressionistic fuss our vortex is white and abstract with its red-hot swiftness end of part eight